right. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Man, it's uh, good to see you guys. I know some of you guys didn't realize that I was gone, but I was gone. So I'm glad to be back in front of you and with you. And uh, man, my thanks to Pastor James for holding it down. Uh, we were listening. And so it was a great time. If you would just be thinking about him, he's uh, teaching, excuse me, for those that didn't hear in Kenny's class. And so uh, that's going to be a good time for those guys. But anyway, for our work here, we're going to try a Herculean effort, which is to get through all of chapter 23 today. And you say, well, Dale, why would you try a Herculean effort like that when generally you can only barely get through 10 verses? It's because the subject matter is woven throughout this entire chapter. And really, when you're thinking about this, I kind of just made a little bit of a timeline for myself. But you want to really look at this, this Jerusalem account, okay, from uh, chapter 21, verse 15 to chapter 23, verse 23. Okay, so when you're looking at what it is that we've been talking about and just what's going on with Paul, it covers those the, a kind of a big spread of chapters. And remember, we said that it used to be we would look at chapters and it might be 10 years in a chapter, two years in a chapter. Uh, now we're talking about days and what happened in this next moment. And really, the thing that is kind of important for you to understand is we want to properly see Paul uh, the right way which is lower than Jesus. And for our, you know, understanding of what his contribution was and how the Lord used him and the Holy Spirit had him write, you know, the majority of the New Testament, it is super easy to put him on even uh, playing field with the Lord Jesus. But I believe that the Lord is highlighting his weaknesses in order for us to understand he is just a man. He's a faithful man. He's a man that's used mightily of God. He's just a man. Okay. And so what we need to look at now, we've kind of seen that we know that this is basically a detour. We've talked about this over and over, that he shouldn't even be in Jerusalem. That's why it's so challenging. But there are things that you have to understand about our Lord concerning when we make detours. We can make detours daily. Uh, we can detours by the hour and there's always opportunity for us to kind of get right and get back on on uh solid ground with the lord you know get in front of him get underneath his shadow of his wings right we want that kind of space and so the thing that i want you to kind of come away with today is to get out of his way there may be some things Okay, that you are doing in your life that is causing this cycle of challenge for you. Now, it could also be that you're just in a cycle of challenge and that's what the Lord wants you to be in. And there's many lessons that he wants you to learn from that. But the one thing that you kind of want to start evaluating instead of always casting blame on the Lord and Lord, oh, woe is me and why is me and this is bad and all of that that ultimately you start looking at, are there things that I'm doing that perhaps is hindering the Lord's hand? Okay. And so 
it's like we said before, there's got to be a point of clarity for Paul during this time just because of the difficulty by which this has been. I mean, there's been a threat on his life that is very real. Uh, the Jews are not playing games with him, and they very much want to kill him. And we're going to see so much so a vow is going to be made to see that come to fruition. And so, well, let's pick it up here in Acts 23. And really what I want to do is kind of give you, this is the layout. So we won't read it because it's 35 verses, but we're obviously, we're going to read it as we get into it. But if you want to kind of take this down, these are kind of going to be our points here. So if deliverance is a work of the Lord, okay, this is something that the believer can say that they know and they believe, but then oftentimes we find ourselves trying to manipulate the situation in order to best benefit ourselves. And we don't have God's bird's eye view. We don't have God's foreknowledge and after knowledge and just knowledge of the situation. And so what we end up doing is making a mess. Believer, you have to agree with God that deliverance is a work of the Lord and him alone, period. Okay, now, so then with that, we're going to see this. Vengeance is the Lord's. Sometimes the deliverance that you seek is for you now have to defend yourself by attack. So you go from very quickly a defensive mindset to now I'm on the offense, but there's something that's at risk when we do that. Your timeline is the Lord's. Something else that a lot of times people worry about this. Young couples really struggle with this. And sometimes people are like, I, I got to get married. And you know why that is, <laughs> right? You know, there, there's some activity that they want to do. Uh, personal Bible study. <laughs> okay, we'll call it that. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so there's like this thing, I remember kind of Serena and I, when we were thinking it's like, wouldn't it be something the Lord would just come back as if getting married to Serene, Serene, you're awesome, but not as awesome as the Lord's return. Right. But that's not the perspective that you have. So a lot of times, again, you start manipulating things. Why? Because you on your timeline, not the Lord's timeline for you. The other thing, if deliverance is a work of the Lord that must be understood, is that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, some of us are in some very ugly situations, some things that maybe it was your fault, maybe not. It doesn't matter. They are not getting better. Um, it's probably time for you to seek counsel, uh, seek accountability to that counsel. Seek the word of God, which would come from that council of which we here or the leadership could provide. But man, you're in a thing and it feels like now you're running the risk of, oh, my timeline is bad. And, oh, I'm going to have to go on the attack because this is just hard. And I want to find the escape route. Myself. But again, deliverance is a work of the Lord. The next thing that we need to look at is God uses whom he pleases to help you. Now, listen, believer, 
there are some relationships because we just had a beautiful relationship series. I love that with Pastor John and uh, and Pastor Sam. And they gave you a little history there. I'm not going to go into detail about that, but they gave you a little history that it was even special that they were sharing the same stage. Okay. And we went through that relationship series and it was awesome. And sometimes the Lord has help for you, but you will refuse it because of who it is that is offering. We have to be careful about that. And so you're going to see here, Paul is not going to refuse it. <laughs> Matter of fact, he's going to engage it because the brother wants some help. And then the last thing, if deliverance is a work of the Lord, then God's free man is free indeed. And no matter the circumstance or situation that I may find myself in, even to the point of incarceration, I can still be free. Freer than the people on the outside. Because I have the Lord. Okay? And so those are the things that we kind of want to look at. We've already talked about, again, just a little quick summary for those that haven't been with us. Starting again in that chapter 21 through 15, uh, excuse me, 21, 15 through 23, 23 is essentially, this is a detour where Paul is in Jerusalem. In reality, what he should have done is gone from Corinth to um, then Rome and then Spain. Uh, that's not the route he took. He went to Jerusalem because he loves his kinsmen and he had some gifts to give to help out the church in their famine situation, of which will be mentioned in the coming chapters. But still, he could have had somebody else do that. This is one of those situations, you guys, again, where he manipulated it. And there was warning from the Holy Spirit. Do not do this. Do not go. This is not going to go well for you. And still, he went anyway. So surprise, surprise. It's awful. That's generally how this works. And so, again, like we said, our purpose is to get you out of the way. God is doing a work in your life. Maybe you're in a valley. Maybe you're on a mountaintop. But either way, get out of the way and let the Lord do the work. Let the Lord be the one that delivers you. And so the first thing that we want to look at here is vengeance is the Lord's. And get this down. When we attack, all it does is spoil our testimony. This is why vengeance is the Lord's, is because when you attack, the only thing it does is spoil your testimony. Now, if you notice in verse three here, and we'll just read up to it, it says, and Paul earnestly beholding the council, he is now in a council that has the high priest and then various uh, council that is with that high priest in this area. He is making a case for why it is that he hasn't broken any laws, why it is essentially he shouldn't be put to death. And so he's now doing that. And it says, earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Now we need to understand something about what he's saying right here. Ultimately, what he's saying right here is that whether he was a Pharisee persecuting Christians or now a Christian upholding the Lord Jesus Christ, it was still in good conscience because essentially he thought he was in the right in both cases. And so remember, there was some grace that the Lord had given him as a result of being ignorant, really. He was doing what he had done in ignorance, 
And so he is right. That good conscience also matters very much for what we know that he is, is a Pharisee of which will be mentioned here shortly. And he said, and the high priest Ananias commanded them that they stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Now, you see already, they didn't even let the man finish his opening address before there's an offense. Okay, this is now. Don't that, isn't that like us? Now you ready. Lord, I was fine when they were quiet, but now you provoke me. Okay, so the sting on his lips is going to help his lips open his mouth in a way he shouldn't have. Let's keep going. Verse three. Then Paul said unto him, to Ananias, the high priest, verse two, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten, contrary to the law? Whoa. Now, this high priest is sharp enough to understand when he said whited wall, it is in direct reference to when the Lord Jesus is calling Pharisees white sepulchers, which are just white coffins. So that now that you look the part on the outside, but what you are on the inside is nothing like what you look like on the outside. Do you think a high priest might take some offense to that statement? Now, it's true, but <laughs> do you think that he would take offense to that? See, the thing is, is that because of the sting of what happened to his mouth, now he opened his mouth in a way. And in verse four, it says, and they stood by. They that stood by said, revilest thou God's high priest? And immediately correction shows up. Let us learn a lesson from that. Verse five, then Paul said, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Now, let me give you a little insight here. This is not on your notes here. <laughs> but there is some truth to that. Paul didn't absolutely know that he was. And uh, let's see, there is a little statement here that I wanted to read to you. Okay. Right here, it says, uh, God did smite him in a remarkable way, this Ananias, about five years after this. His house was reduced to ashes and a tumult raised by his own son. He was besieged and taken in the royal palace. There he attempted to hide himself. He was then found, dragged out, and slain. And so it is true that the Lord will protect, but that's again, why? Because vengeance is the Lord's, not ours. It wasn't Paul's place to make that statement. And then what did it do? Now he's having to explain to his brethren. Notice he didn't address the high priest because there had been some changeover in this role. And there is a great possibility that he didn't know that Ananias was the high priest because that role had kind of gone unfulfilled and then it had been, been filled by Ananias. And so there had been a long time since, excuse me, Paul had been in Jerusalem. So he didn't know. But still, from that ignorance, here he is firing off at the mouth. Boy, don't we do that from a place of ignorance? See, what Paul said was right, but it's not for him to say in that moment. In Ecclesiastes 3, 16 and 17, it says, And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment. Don't miss this. That wickedness was there and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. 
And I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. See, guys, listen, don't put yourself in a situation where God is going to judge both you and the person that's offending you. Because now you think that you've just made a bridge to, I owe it to them to let them know I don't play around like that. And so now I have to kind of let you know where I stand. That's not a good place. If you really want to see deliverance, what you will see instead is judgment. That's getting in the way. Have you ever had situations that are like that where you just not having all the data, you fire off, you say something or you do something. And then once more information is revealed, you feel terrible. Now you got to go, you got pie on your face and you got to say, I'm sorry. I don't know how many times I've done that. It's just better sometimes to just be quiet. That's hard for us because we think we've earned the right to speak. And whoever is listening should listen to us. And God help us. Now, I will say this about our dear Paul. He is also right by Jewish law in that there is a bit of a shoot first, ask questions later type attitude going on right now with this council, right? The man hasn't finished his opening argument, slapped in the mouth. Let me tell you in Deuteronomy what it says. Now, you probably can't see it. It's a little tiny there. But in Deuteronomy 25, it says this. If there be a controversy between men and they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. Okay, yeah, we get that. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. Okay, 40 stripes he may give him and not exceed, lest if he should exceed and beat him above these many stripes, then they, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. So you see that there has to be due process. There was no process. He started talking and like slapping the mouth. <laughs> right? And so we can understand. And sometimes things come our way, believer. But this is the thing about deliverance for us that I, I think a lot of times we feel like we always have to defend ourselves. And man, if you are defensive, you will be defensive to anybody. So case in point, what can happen is your leaders. You can run into a hairy situation and feel like you have to defend your position to your leaders versus humble yourself. I know it's hard, but listen, if you want to be delivered in the situation, you had better take the route of humility. Paul struggling. He's not supposed to be here. You see what happens when you don't obey the Holy Spirit? It just kind of leads itself to, I'm struggling with doing the right things multiple times over, right? Oh, yeah, well, maybe I should have listened to the Lord in the first place, and then I wouldn't have this rocky road facing me. Verse 4, and they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. You have said well, Paul. That is true. The next thing we want to look at is your timeline is the Lord's. Get this down. Hold fast to the promises of Scripture when it is most difficult. 
Hold fast to the promises of scripture when it is most difficult. Your timeline is the Lord's. So you don't have to worry about, am I going to die today or whatever? Just live unto the Lord. Hard to do when you have chronic pain, chronic illness. The doctors have given some diagnosis. Man, how many times have you heard the story of people being diagnosed something six months and they live three years longer, six years longer? Man, listen, don't. The circumstances do not say you are done. And so now let's get in here and look and see what we got. Verse six. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he's cried out into the council. Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. Now, let me just explain something to you. For those of you that don't know the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee. Now, he's going to he's going to basically define them very concisely. And so we'll let him do that in the scriptures here. But ultimately, the Pharisees believe in the oral tradition that the law had been passed down. They believe that God was real. They believed in heaven. They actually believed in a resurrection and that God would come to deliver them. This is why he said that. So now he is using his skill. Remember, I said last time I was with you guys about flipping the conversation. He just flipped it in a way that they're like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't kill him yet. But now the Sadducees, on the other hand, more of the aristocrat society had a different, very different viewpoint. They had a more humanist viewpoint. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They surely didn't believe in Jesus. Now, both are enemies of Jesus when he was on the earth. We, we can see that in the Gospels. Clearly lays that out. But listen to what it says, verse seven. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say, there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So see, that's the short definition. So now what is Paul, a Sadducee or Pharisee? He's a Pharisee. So you see now how he is playing the audience against itself. The only thing is, is his tactic, I really don't like. I really don't like his tactic, only because it's interesting. When I was looking at the word here, now this is in my other notes, and this is a little bit longer. Let me uh, find it for you. Okay, I don't have it on the screen here. I'm just going to kind of tell you. So. You guys see in, what verse is that where it says divided? Verse, uh, verse seven. Okay, at the end of verse seven. Now, this is in, in blue letter. It says, apparently a primary verb to split or sever, break, divide, open, rend, make a rent. Uh-oh. Now, get this. One, two, three, four. Four of the times... Five of the times that it's mentioned is commonly seen as something that God does. So now think about something. Remember what I just said in terms of this guy is pulling out all the straws in order to save his, himself. He shouldn't be here, right? We could keep saying that, but we're not going to. Hindsight is everything, right? In Matthew 27, 51, it's talking about the veil rent in the temple. In Mark 1, 10, the heavens open. God did that. 
In Mark 15, 38, the veil rent again in the temple. Luke 23, 45, the veil rent. John 21, 11, the net of fish not broken when Peter cast his net in. And remember, it had all those fish. Didn't break. Who held it together? The Lord did. So now we're seeing a division take place that Paul did. That's not your job, Paul. This is not something really that he should entertain ideally. And I know there's kind of like two thoughts. So there was a group after the early church was established that would have taken a more, probably a pacifist type viewpoint, which would have been, they would have been silent about any disagreement that Shins had. And so they, they would have just been getting killed like left and right because they just, they're not saying anything. So there is another argument that says, Paul is actually being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove because essentially he's just playing the crowd against itself. But it is very interesting <laughs> that the Bible's divided uses those previous definitions to show that it is a work of God. And then you see here where Paul is doing this work. It's like, man, I don't know, Paul. <laughs> I don't know, brother. Because here's the deal. What good does it do the loss for you to just confuse them and cause them to be in disagreement? See, the issue is, is that you've been given a job, the ministry of reconciliation, not confusion. God said he came to bring a sword, not us. You see what I'm saying? That's why I'm kind of, Sam can tell me what he thinks. I would love to see his insight there, but that's kind of where I fell on it is like, you know, either or I'm not going to, you know, rest my head on it. But just it's kind of one of those things where it's like, man, I don't know. Perhaps Paul <laughs> try that a different way. And so anyway, we keep going here. Uh, verse eight. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, neither angel spirit, but the Pharisees confessed both. And there arose a great cry and the scribes that were the Pharisees part arose. And strove, saying, we find no evil in this man. Now, if anything is being good, this timeline is the Lord's, is working out in his favor. Verse 9, we find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Man, you have well said. Boy, wisdom is showing up here. Oh, why is that? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see that. Verse 10. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down, taken by force from among them, and to bring him into the castle. And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Okay. So now, what you need to know is this is not the first time that Paul has needed comfort from the Lord himself. So that means our dear Paul, this guy that we could say would walk through a wall if the Lord asked him to and he would accomplish it, is trembling in his sandals. I mean, this is a hairy situation he's in. And again, this is when the reality of, uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I'm in the way of what God is trying to do, what God had planned for me. I could be somewhere else meeting Gentiles and sharing the gospel and this be going well, but now I'm in bonds having to plead my case and it's not working. I've been beaten. I've been slapped. I'm in bonds. 
and yet the Lord is still at work. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. See, what you need to know about this, guys, is that God is not done with you, even though you have made an epic mistake. It's not over. No matter how much everybody wants to tell you that, no matter how much you hate yourself now, I'm telling you, you need to look at yourself through the lens that God looks at you. He's with you. He's with you. We've all made mistakes. But for the Lord to show up, when we're watching Paul, he's speaking out of turn. He's doing things. He's <laughs> sowing seeds of confusion over here. He's landed in a place he shouldn't have been in. He's trying to minister to people that it's not for him to be ministering to. And yet the Lord says, be of good cheer. Do you believe that this morning, though? Is the circumstance or situation that you find yourself in, if the Lord were to say to be of good cheer, do you believe it? Man, it's those quiet moments that are most beautiful when the Lord just comes and I don't know, maybe it's something you read. Maybe it was the something, man, you get, you know how sometimes, I don't know now. It's just when Rosie sings Revelation song and my heart is prime for tears. I just, when she was gone, it was her voice I heard singing it. And when she came back, I was like, yes. <laughs> and so, man, that's, I don't know. Oceans is another one. I just, when I start singing and I start thinking about what it's saying, it just does something, right? And the Lord is whispering, hey, be of good cheer. It's all right. I got you. In Acts 18, 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Speaking of Corinth, Corinth, a city we could have burned down, right? I have much people in this city, and he continued there a year, y'all, in six months, teaching the word of God among them. That's the Lord we serve. And the thing is, is like, man, I, sometimes the Christian just needs to, somebody just needs to touch you on your shoulder and say, stand up straight. Come on. Are we, the, are we the sons and daughters of God or not? Why are we the most defeated? John 14, 16, I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Not when it's good or when you're doing right. Forever. Period. Well, actually, semicolon. But, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> these guys like writing long sentences. Then it says, here's why. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it saith him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Man, John 16, 33, these things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Excuse me. Let me take it. That's a good time for a drink. <laughs> I think that way it can marinate on your, your mind a little bit. 
See, listen, the proof over our victory has been settled in battle. That was on the cross. It's settled. It's a settled thing as far as the Lord is concerned. And our dear Paul, our mighty Paul, Paul that is less than the Lord Jesus, need to be reminded of that. And maybe you did too this morning. Let me keep going then. Because the next thing is, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's a battle that's already been waged. It was waged on the, on the cross. The Lord won. And those that put their trust in his name have won as well. So now, here you are positionally in a no weapon formed against you, excuse me, shall prosper. So now get this down. This is the new thing that I realize in the believer must end. Must end. Being paranoid or suspicious is a waste of time for the believer. Being paranoid or suspicious is a waste of time for the believer. I, man, listen, the Bible told you what to do with all things. Was any of them bad? Was any of them bad? No, right? But that's not what we do. We just like now, and I'll give you a little secret in the union world, and men uh, gossip as much as they claim their wives do, probably more so. And in the crafts, there's this thing that will happen because, you know, you're going to get laid off at the end of the, the project. So, you know, in iron work, let's say we're working, everything is going good. And there's a little whisper and somebody says, I think they're going to start laying off. Layoff? What? People getting mad. People starting to pack their tools. It's like, what are you doing? Has the boss told you? No. Somebody else that don't know. That's a worker, too. Just told you. But now you all upset. And thinking it's game over. You ready to cuss the boss out and I've been doing a good job and now you're going to state your case and all. Paranoia does, does nothing for you. But look at what's happening behind the scenes. There's all this dialogue and it's so incredible. So incredible, really. Verse 11 and then verse 12. Right. Verse 12 was the same. And when it was day, certain of the Jews of the, of the certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse. Saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Wow. You guys are worked up. Because, man, listen, I don't maybe it's because I live here and there's a lot of barbecue places I can go to, but I'm not about to. Stop eating ribs to kill somebody. I might need that <laughs> energy coming from the ribs and the brisket. <laughs> okay. And so these cats are dumb. I just don't understand them. I don't understand it. These guys just get so worked up. Now I got to read something to you though. Listen to this. Such vows as these were not unusual among the Jews who from their perverted traditions challenged themselves a right of punishing without any legal process, those whom they consider transgressors of the law, and in some cases, as in the case of one who had forsaken the law of Moses, they thought they were justified in killing them. They therefore made no scruple of acquainting the chief priests 
and the elders with their conspiracy against the life of Paul. Now, you haven't seen that yet, but now there is certain of the Jews, 40 of them, and then they are so bold, they now go to the high priest, which just tells you how phony of a high priest he is. But anyway, that's you know, neither here nor there. And the council, they even go and tell them this is what they're going to do. And applying for their uh, conveyance and support, who being chiefly of the sect of the Sadducees and the apostles, bitterest enemies were so far from blaming them for it that they gladly aided and embedded in this mode of dispatching him on his failure. They soon afterwards determined upon making a similar attempt. Notice it said failure. Why? Because the Lord controls the timeline. That's why. Their efforts will come to nothing. You made a vow. You made a pledge. They said it probably with, you know, great eloquence. And it came to nothing. And you worried about what other people are going to do and think, man, just live. Just live. I get it. it's hard to do. Spouses, it's hard to do sometimes when you're in a tight situation with your spouse, but Man, or, or families, families really, you know, and just because you know how people are and they're conniving, it doesn't matter. Let them. Let them. Is the Lord for you or not? You want deliverance or not? Handle it your way. It's just going to lead to an argument, frustration, fighting, the broke, breaking of a relationship. What good is that? See, in Isaiah 8, 9 through 10, it says this, Associate yourselves, O ye people, and you shall be broken in pieces, and give ear, all ye of far countries. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand. Why? For God is with us. I mean, this is like, come all, whoever you are. And do you have that kind of victorious feeling in your life or now is the circumstance that you're facing got you beat down? As if the Lord, just as much as you are hiding under the covers, the Lord is there with you, hiding under the covers with you. I guarantee you he's standing outside the bed saying, get up. Let's go. Nothing can, man, listen. <laughs> if the Lord says it's, it's so, it's done. This is, who stopped the sun from coming up this morning? It's up, ain't it? You know why it's up. It's because dad said, hey, son, up. And it's up. And when he says stop turning, it will. That's the kind of, that's who we serve, y'all. This is not, you know, I know, listen, you read those, the children Bible and the little the little dot-eyed Jesus, he's got curly hair. and It's like he's a cartoon character or like, you know, in Talladega Nights, baby Jesus. People just love that, right? Like <laughs> little baby Jesus. No, he's a, he's a grown man on a throne with a crown and a sword. What am I worried about? I'm just telling you this because I have to remind myself of these things too. It's not because I have it figured out. It's, you know, I'm reading this. I'm just like, man, I've been in a tight. And sometimes when you have put yourself in a bad spot, you kind of think the Lord is done with you. So now you're just going to try to wish and hope your way through it. 
I hope this works out. I'm trying this. I'm just throwing, cooking spaghetti, throwing it up against the wall. You know, the Lord's like, just ask me. I will tell you what to do. See, that's the difference in terms of what we see Paul doing. His, he is at least sticking to his guns. He's not where he's supposed to be. But has he denied the Lord's glory? No. Not at all. This is why the Lord is like, man, I'm here with you. And just that little encouragement, probably for a guy like that, boiled his blood a little bit. Now he's ready. Until he heard about 40 guys that want to <laughs> kill him. He's like, 40? Is it 40 of them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all 40. Romans 8.31, what should we say to these things? You know it. You know it. We study in Romans right now. If God be for us, who can be against us? I love that. He wrote that. He wrote that. That's what makes it even more special. Verse 13. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse. What will we eat? Uh, excuse me, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Go ahead, fool. You're going to be hungry and dead. Go right ahead. Now, therefore, ye with the council signified to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow as though you would inquire something more perfectly concerning him or we or ever he come near are ready to kill him. I mean, they're just like, man, just bring him close by so we can jump him. It takes 40 of y'all. Paul's a little dude. He's kind of sick. Can't see really well at this point in life. And then they know what they're fooling with. At least they think they do, right? Next thing, I want you to get down. God uses whom he pleases to help you. And notice the humility, the, the smallness by which the helper is picked here. I love it. His nephew. <laughs> Verse 16, and when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul, then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, bring this young man to the chief captain, for he had a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who had something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, what is it that thou hast to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though thou would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly, more clarity on, on his argument, right? But that's not really what's going to happen. We're going to jump it. But do not thou yield unto them, for they lie in wait for him of them more than 40 men, which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee? So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, see thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And so here's the thing I want you to take away. God uses whom he pleases to help you. So very simply, receive your blessing. Receive your blessing. One of the things that I remember very distinctly going to El Salvador, you guys know this story, and uh, we're playing at a school for the deaf, and it's going well. Um, and there's a little girl that has uh, some, just a bag of plantain chips. Now, in my American mind, I'm wrestling with the fact that I know she's poor. I'm just making an assumption. I've seen El Salvador. There's nothing glamorous about anywhere we are. 
And so I have a real challenge facing me when this little girl in this open bag of plantain chips offers me some chips. Now she's doing it because she wants, I'm your friend and we've been playing Frisbee and they have no idea what to do with their hands because they play soccer. And so the Frisbee was all over the place. It was terrible. But that's beside the point. It was very funny. But the thing is, I have a decision to make. And I, and I wrestled for like 30 seconds. How am I going to take some chips from this little girl? And Laura's like, fool, just eat the chips. So I took some chips. And you know what she did? She smiled and she went back to playing. And here I am having a spiritual conversation. I don't know. And my taxes. I just received the blessing. Just receive the blessing. Why does it matter who it comes from? Man, don't, don't force the Lord in a box where you pick and choose. Lord, if it comes from, I don't want it. I don't like them. I mean, come on, man. Listen, listen. These two verses are going to slap you around. So just duck. Okay, here's the first one. Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Man, isn't that good? That's just good, simple wisdom. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. See, this is what happens when you don't take your blessing. You just pass on and then like, oh, I needed it. Who knows? Maybe those plantain chips helped me to learn how to play soccer a little bit better and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ at the school. I don't know. I took them and they were delicious. And I made a friend. I made somebody smile just because I received what they were giving me. It's so hard for us. There's so much pride in that. When we can't receive what it is that God has for you from whomever it's going to be from. Somebody wants to help you out. They heard you in a bind and they call you. Hey, I'm going to come over. And then now maybe they're going to drop off a check. And now you're about to do the, like we British, where you know how they, oh, no, oh, oh, no, oh. Just take it. Just take the blessing. I love that this, he didn't come up and say, well, so, you two, little, you don't know anything. No, he just, hey, uh, tell the chief captain with it. That, yes. That's good wisdom. Why? Because it's going to save his butt. That's why. We'll see here in a minute. Malachi 2.2, here's the other one, duck. If you will not hear, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. How about that? Yeah, I have cursed them already because you do not lay it to heart. I don't want to do that, Lord. I want to, everything you have for me, I want it. And if you have inroads to rescue me out of situations, I want it. I don't want to try to man up or show how tough I am. Stupid. Just receive the blessing. And so Paul did. And the message was sent and got to the right person. And here's what happened. The last thing. God's free man is free indeed. But you got to write something down with that now. God's free man is free indeed, but don't miss this. Don't let the duration of a hardship steal your freedom. 
Don't let the duration of a hardship steal your freedom. Listen, some of y'all, the Lord, you and the Lord got a thing you're going to be hashing out for the next couple of years. And that's okay. Because why? He's with you. See, the thing I like about when I'm in a hard situation and I know I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at, one, that is super comforting. Even if the situation I'm in is awful, I am comforted by the fact that I'm at least where I'm supposed to be. And then I can remember the promise that he is with me. And so now he's already told Paul, hey, I'm with you. And then right now, listen, isn't it funny that he gets horrible news right after the Lord says, I'm with you. And that's the thing of how we act sometimes, right? It's like, you think because the Lord said, I got you, you read, you had some good time in the word. The coffee was specially good. The sun was specially bright on your pages. You had the head nod of consent that it was good. Thank you, Lord. And you wrote it down. You put a pocket buddy. You're going to get it out in a tight situation. And then you got fired. He or she broke up with you. You just found out somebody you love just died. Where's that pocket buddy now? That's the equivalent of what just happened to Paul. The Lord visits me. Be of good cheer. Man, I'm with you. And then my nephew comes up and says, uh, hey, there's uh, 40 plus guys waiting to kill you. Excuse me? <laughs> Don't let the duration of a hardship steal your freedom. Verse 23, and he called unto him two centurions saying, now this is the chief captain for those that forgot. Verse 22, chief captain's talking. And he called unto him two centurions saying, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea. Isn't God good? 40 plus dudes plot against you. He says, get 200. And these now, I, you know, I'm not saying that the Jews are weak, but they probably don't need 200. But that's how much the Lord said, make get 200. And he called on them two centurions saying, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea and horsemen, three score and 10 spearmen, 200. And at the third hour of the night now, depending on, see, I have like a Jewish day just so it helps me to know what's going on. That is probably nine o'clock at night because it says third hour of the night. There's another time in scripture that says third hour of the day, which would be like nine in the morning. Okay, so that's why. That's why I'm going with that. Okay, and so, and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter after his name. So now Claudius Lysias, you finally get the name of our chief captain. That's his name. Okay, so look, he writes a letter, y'all. So not only did he get protection, we got spearmen, we got horses, we got soldiers. And I'm going to write a letter, a recommendation. I'm a lost man. I don't care about any of this superstition stuff you got going on. But the Lord said, oh, but you do. Why? Because the Lord is the one that can turn hearts. Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor, Felix, sendeth greeting. 
This man has taken other Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And would I have known the cause wherefore they accuse him, I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of question of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. Have you noticed that two enemies have said a Paul because the Lord controls the timeline. He's not worthy of death. Fascinating. God is good, y'all. Whom I perceive, verse 29, to be accused of question of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. The captor is now making a case to let's keep this guy out of bonds. Let's get the chains off of him. Let's make him more comfortable. Isn't God good? I got protection. Let's get your comfort level up. And I hope y'all seeing that. Deliverances of the Lord. Paul could not in his best when he was trying to manipulate and all that. It got better when there was less of him talking. Verse 30, and when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent, I sent straight way to thee and gave a commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what thou had against him, farewell. Then the soldier, as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And there's something, there's two things I want you to get here. Listen, in Timothy 2.3, you know it. Therefore thou Thou, therefore, excuse me, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That's why you do what you do. That's why you can look whatever difficulty you are facing right now in the face and say, God is with me. And even if I tremble, when I fall back, I'm resting on the Lord. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So the question on the floor then is this, are you weary in your mind? I just showed you by scripture, not because of anything awesome I've done, but all glory to God and his book and how it's laid out that we could just show you that deliverances of the Lord. And perhaps you are in a cyclical tight situation because you are, your hands are on it. Take your hands off. Less of you talking, less of you manipulating, less of you thinking your bright ideas. You don't have them. Seek that counsel from the Lord. Follow that and then move forward. I want you to have a different year than you've had in years prior. This year can be different for you. This month, this time could be different for you if you simply just, man, just own it. You're not in the place maybe that God wanted you to be in, but now you're there and God is with you there saying, hey, I'm going to get you out of here. And it's going to be a slow road. 
And what is your answer? What is your answer? Verse 32. On the morrow, they left the horsemen to go with him and return to the castle. Who then they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood that he was of Sicilia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. And so we're still not free, but he's still free. He can be free here and here if he's not free to roam about. And we're going to see something very unique about Caesarea. He will be free to roam about because God is good. And so let's, man, let's pray and we'll be uh, dismissed for today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we do just uh, come to a place of decision this morning. That, Lord, that we would just agree with you of whatever our current state is, that we would start relying on your word and not how we feel about it, our emotions or what others that don't know you are telling us to think. Father, we need you to deliver us on a daily basis. Lord, if some of us in here have put our trust in your name, then Lord, we have already been delivered from the wrath to come. But Lord, there is still just the, the daily hiccups and missteps that we get ourselves involved in. Lord, we need you to move in those situations. And for those that don't know you, Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation and that people would understand they can't do enough to be right with you. Lord, what has been done has been done on the cross. And Lord, it is firmly planted on the throne. And so, Father, thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you for just how you are weaving this narrative of Paul's life for us. And Lord, I pray that, um, yeah, we would just be comforted by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.